I mean, think about it. When you pick up your phone, if you have a notification. So like I try to only truly pay attention to text calls. When you pick it up, you look at your text, you maybe respond to the text and then you close text and then maybe you open Twitter and then maybe you close Twitter and then maybe you open Instagram and then maybe you close Instagram and then maybe you check your email and scroll and then maybe back to Twitter. It's like you can't not. It's you become this instinctual kind of habit that is really addicting and it really is, I think, difficult for a lot of people. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to episode 29 of Be More Well. I am your host, Jeff St. Pierre. This week, my guest is Kate Rowe, who's joining me for a discussion on social media. Now, if you've listened before, welcome back. Thank you for sharing some of your day with us. If it's your first time checking out the show, thank you. Be More Well is a wellness-focused podcast that was created after I woke up one morning and thought, man, I just don't feel right and I need a change, but where do I start? There's so many books and YouTube speeches and different types of advice out there So I wanted to talk to people about their stories and how they find wellness and mindfulness in their lives. On Be More Well, you can expect to hear conversations with doctors, musicians, athletes, authors, and everyday people that are fighting the fight to become the best possible versions of themselves. My hope here is that you'll find some inspiration from my guests. I know that I do. And don't forget to subscribe to Be More Well on whatever platform you're listening on right now. That way you'll be notified about the latest episodes and you can go back through the older ones as well. And please feel free to leave a rating and a review while you're there. My guest today is a good friend of mine. We've known each other for many years now, but I knew about her before we ever met in person. Okay, I know that sounds kind of creepy, but trust me, it's okay. Uh, She was a big player in the social media world in Baltimore back when things really first started to take off. I'm talking about 2008, 2009-ish. Twitter was still very new. Facebook was just starting to open up to non-college students, and there was no Instagram quite yet. It was the time before influencers, sponsored ads, and crazy algorithms. People were going on Twitter to share notes about their day and to (gasps) actually meet real humans. Remember that? That's what Twitter was created for. Genuine interaction and meeting, not yelling at each other over political beliefs. Oh, how the times have changed. Kate Rowe was better known as her handle, Kate Kate Bear. Like I said, I knew all about her before we ever even met in person. She was all over Twitter promoting her job, friends, small businesses, and other outlets. I remember seeing what she was doing and being blown away by how many interactions she was getting. In my circle, she was really one of the first people I could say was an influencer. I know that word has such a negative connotation these days, but I mean it with positivity here. What KK Pear would tweet about would get attention in Baltimore. People that followed her account would check out the restaurants and bookstores and fitness studios or whatever that she was talking about. Kate's social media presence continued to grow both personally and professionally. She was hired to create social media teams, including one for the National Aquarium. She also started her own business with a friend to help out other small businesses in the area. She even made her husband on social media, which we'll talk about in the interview. I didn't know this fact about her. I was kind of excited to learn that. But there did come a time when it had become too much. Kate Kate Bear started to take over, and it was exhausting. Kate needed to make a change, and she did so in a way that I think can be helpful for others to use as an example. I've heard so much about this, especially recently. Social media can take a serious toll on a person's well-being. It's hard sometimes to put the phone down. It's hard not to think about how many likes a post might get. It's hard not to start the day with a quick stroll through Instagram while you're using the bathroom. And social media is designed to keep you on it. There are a lot of people much smarter than all of us designing code that aims to keep you scrolling and clicking. So I wanted to talk to somebody that's been through the ups and downs of social media, someone that used it in its purest form, but has also found happiness in other ways. I'm hoping this conversation with Kate will open your eyes and maybe it will even make you reevaluate the way that you use it. Since we're talking about social media, I mean, come on, I got to go ahead and throw a shameless plug in here. Please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. We are Be More Well Podcast on Instagram and Be More Well on Twitter. And feel free to reach out with any comments or questions you have, too. If there are any topics you'd like to hear more about, I am all ears. I'm always looking for inspiration for new conversations. I mean, I talk to people that I find interesting, but maybe there's some people out there that you really want to hear from, and I'm definitely open to reaching out to them as well. And now, my conversation with Kate Rowe. Well, I haven't seen you in like 100 years. You were like, let's do Zoom. And I was like, Zoom. Oh, wait, I get to see you then. <laughs> like, you're the only person. And I'm like, okay, cool. It is kind of crazy. I, it's it's weird, like, thinking about some of the people that I haven't seen for so long. Like, setting this up, I was like, I really haven't seen Kate 
and like see like i talk to you you know see your posts and all sure. these different things but like seeing people is so different you're just head down like trying to get through the day and the days become weeks and the weeks become months and now we're like in november I'm so glad that people have been willing to adjust to a Zoom interview. Like you and I know each other, obviously, so that's a little bit different. But like people that I don't know, when I say like, hey, let's do it via Zoom, I always wonder, like there's a minute where I'm like, is that creepy? Is that weird? But people are so into it because of that reason. Like you can't actually see each other while you're trying to talk. So it makes it a little bit easier. It's totally easier. I mean, the phone, you're like, uh, 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 what? Hello? All the time. And depending on where they're connected to, you can still have that. I talked to a woman that was in Colombia, like the country Colombia, not Colombia, Maryland. Mm-hmm. And oh, <laughs> I was like, okay. And there were and there were some moments where I was like, we're totally gonna lose this, but it was ended up uh, being okay. But it was just, it was kind of funny. I was like, oh right, you're in Colombia, South America. We're so interconnected, but at the same time, it's you like have to remember that we're not exactly. Exactly. And that actually is a perfect uh, thing to sort of segue into what I want to talk to you about, because um, I think a lot of people have been talking about social media, especially during the pandemic, because that's how a lot of people are connected. Um, And then you get this uh, documentary that came out on Netflix, The Social Dilemma, that everybody was talking about. Ooh, you know, here's what I'll say about it for you, and then we can dive into what I actually want to talk to you about. Mm -hmm. I, I watched it, and there was a lot of stuff in there that I already knew. But it was still interesting to have people saying it, like to have the experts, Mm -hmm. like the people they talk to are the creators of Pinterest, the creators of Mm -hmm. the like button, the creators of like, like these are the people that founded the things that shape social media today. So when they're telling you things, you're like, damn, that's crazy. But there were a lot of things that I already knew. and, And given your background with social media, you likely already know a lot too, but it's still interesting to see it. I don't know, hear people admitting it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I think that most of them are now. Yeah. I mean, most of them are like, so sorry. We did this. <laughs> That's, there was one guy, one guy actually said, he's like, I don't let my kids use it. He's like, I refuse to let my kids use it. Let's step back a few years because this is kind of how you and I met. And when I moved to Baltimore, which was in 2008, um, which seems not as far back as it feels. Um, but when I moved to Baltimore, as a, that was when social media was starting to sort of take off. I moved to Baltimore in 2008. Huh, okay. I don't think we met. We didn't meet right away. Like, it took me a while to get my feet wet in Baltimore before I started to meet a lot of people. Um, Sure. But 2008 was kind of when, like, Twitter, I don't know if it came out in 2008 or 2007, but it, like, started to really take off in 2008. I think that's when I joined. Um, And you didn't quite have Instagram yet, but Facebook started to become a bigger thing. And Mm -hmm. when I met you, I was introduced to you by your handle, which is KK Bear. And that's when I realized like you were kind of like, you were like an early influencer in Baltimore. Like before influencers were a thing, you were kind of an influencer in Baltimore. I was one of the, let's call it 40 people that was always talking on social media in Baltimore. So yeah, if you want to call that like the influencer crew, I mean, it was like, throw it all the way back to the Baltimore Sun mobbies. Yeah. Um, they had like these social media awards for people. And it's like, you couldn't do that today, really. I mean, you could, but it would be difficult. But there was just such a small community then um, that it was really like recognizable who was who. And we like got together. I think that was like the funniest part is like we would, tweet and talk and and all these different posts and things and then we would like hang out <laughs> and, like you know the little group of people they were like oh hey kk bear didn't they um, used to call those tweet ups yeah. isn't that what they called those they did call them tweet ups good for memory yeah everything happens so fast and so much that i sometimes forget all the words that we <laughs> And also, I do want to say, uh, as we're talking, because we're on Zoom, I can see you. I don't want you to think that I'm painting this in a negative light at all. I think it's great. Like oh, this no. is, I, I, <laughs> I was like, I can feel Kate rolling her eyes right now as I'm saying the word influencer. Oh. I, I don't want you to take any of this in a negative connotation. No, not at all. No, I was really proud of it. 
I mean, I really was. I mean, I, there are lots of things that I got accomplished and, you know, things that it helped me do and better understand about myself and really like connect with people in this way. I mean, I just think it's really funny looking back in this place where social media has become so different Mm -hmm. now. Uh, Looking back on these like 30 ragtag kids in Baltimore, just like hanging out. Let's get a beer. Tweet, tweet, tweet. (laughs) But that's when it was kind of invented. Like if you talk to the guy that created Twitter, he will say uh, that was what they did. Like they wanted to be able to tell their friends what they were doing and then find a way to, to interact and meet up and have a conversation about that. Totally. And then like, you know, you introduce, like you were talking about, you interviewed someone in uh, Columbia. It introduces this worldwide, I mean, not only regionally within your city and your state and your area, but like across the country. And there's people from other countries who were interacting with things that we were doing in Baltimore that were really... No, it was just fun. Mm -hmm. When I was introduced to Twitter, I was out in California for a friend's wedding. And I went out uh, to hang out with another friend in L.A. that I knew. And she was telling me about Twitter. And she was like, it's cool because I can tweet that I'm going to go get a donut at this particular donut shop or something. And then I may run into a couple people that saw that. And then we have a, you know, we sit and we have our donuts together and we talk. And I was like, there's an element of that that's actually kind of cool because you get to introduce yourself in person to other people now, as time has passed, that in-person element seems to have left the building. Yeah. Well, and so has the, um, what's the word? Not reviews, but has the endorsements it's changed. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a really fun thing for me to do as well. Um, back in the day, it was really like find these small businesses, these artists, these things like Juliet of Broken Plate. I don't know if you know her, but she takes plates, breaks them, and then makes them jewelry. Mm. And she was also, she was like one of the 30. And so like finding her, connecting with her, and then like sharing her with other people was this really incredible, like it felt like a really important platform to share these like cool things. And now it's like, check out these cool jeans that I wear. And no offense to like the people that are making it work that way. But like, it's just not the same, I think. It's not as um, authentic, maybe. There's a lot more paid. Yeah. yeah, I see what you're saying. In fact, I think when I met you in person for the first time, I, I had heard mm-hmm. the the stories of Kate Kate Bear. But when I first met oh, you gosh. in person, <laughs> it was at a, um, I think it was at like a restaurant opening or something with a couple sure. of mutual friends mm-hmm. of ours. And I actually, I honestly remember thinking to myself, I was like, okay, so KK Bear is here, but like, why? Like, why? Like, because it was like a media mm-hmm. night, you know? So there were radio people and TV yeah. people, and, and it wasn't a judgmental thing, but I was like, okay, I understand why this morning mm-hmm. TV host is here. I understand why this radio person is here or this magazine writer is here, but like, why is the Twitter girl here? Like, what is that? Yeah. But you're right. Like, that was the time when when there was that sort of, like, I'm going to write a review, and because people know my social media presence, that's a big mm-hmm. deal. Sure. Not that it's changed so drastically since then, because I think that influencers continue to become, you know, voices that people listen to. Uh, It's just changed into like more niche things. So when you were first doing it, how did you Mm -hmm. feel? Like, I mean, was it, was it an exciting thing for you? Did it make you feel good? Uh, For for, let's say, well, let me ask you this. Did it start for you because of work or did you start because you were fascinated by the idea? great question so facebook was around when i was in college okay but it was just you know shoot college students it was exclusively college students it wasn't brands it wasn't other people all those different things and then when we graduated probably within the next year within that kind of 2008 business time uh, i was working at port discovery children's museum and i had taken on pr uh, and social media kind of came onto the scene for brands And so I think that that's what really dove me into the social media Mm. world. I joined us on Facebook. I started us on Twitter. And then I brought myself onto Twitter as well. And so I think it kind of all started at the same time, but it was like a little nudge from work to do it. I don't know. It felt fun then. Like I said, it seems... um, Unfortunately, now I will. I, Twitter is still my favorite uh, of all the social medias out, platforms that are out there. Twitter is still my favorite, even though it is a lot of a big mess. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. Where 
back then I would excitedly, I think, log on and check like what people were saying and what was going on and what were the topics and, and who like, you know, tweeted me and whatnot. Now I log on and kind of time how long it takes me to find something that makes me sad and then log off. <laughs> <laughs> where I'm like oh look at this little puppy and baby oh my gosh oh this oh no oh and log off I'm out <laughs> I'm out it's like you gotta quit while you're ahead it's like a casino like you just go and go and go okay no 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 more it's good that you have that restraint though because that's the problem so many people don't and they keep going like a casino they keep pulling like well that's all right next pull it's gonna be mine I'm gonna win it is a hard addiction and I don't have the numbers and stats to talk about it in that way but it I mean think about it when you pick up your phone if you have a notification so like I listen I try to only truly pay attention to text calls Mm. I've even cut out kind of email it's a big thing but like when you pick it up, you look at your text, you maybe respond to the text and then you close text and then maybe you open Twitter and then maybe you close Twitter and then maybe you open Instagram and then maybe you close Instagram and then maybe you check your email and scroll and then maybe back to Twitter. It's like, you can't yeah. not. It's you become this habitual, instinctual kind of habit that is really addicting and it really is, I think, difficult for a lot of people. You started with work, but it became a personal thing and it was exciting for you. Actually, it's kind of the same thing for me. I, when I moved here, my job was kind of like, you should be on social media. And I was like, I don't really Mm -hmm. want to be on social media. So I I did it for that. I I, I say all the time, if Mm -hmm. I didn't have the job that I have, I wouldn't use it at all. Like I just don't, I I don't, I don't find that I use it enough for a personal Mm -hmm. thing. And most of my friends from college and from home, they don't use it either. So it's kind of like, I I could get updates about my friends, but they're not even on there. So it doesn't (laughs) Um, but so, so it started out as like a work personal thing. You found enjoyment in it. What was like the biggest thing at first that you were like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Like, I'm so excited. I'm using this right now. I mean, it, I guess it was, it was exciting to connect with people that you were in the same circle with, but maybe just like never connected. Sure. Yeah. Like, so for example, um, you spoke with Jamie Christ mm-hmm. on the podcast recently and Jamie and I met through social media mm-hmm. really. Um, and she lived close. She worked out in the same areas that I worked, maybe the same gym that I worked out in or the same age ish, you know, we have so many similarities. We're in the same city. We could be really cool together. And like, we just never met connected. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So social media was this thing that was pushing. And I did this fitness. Um, I worked with this fitness group called tone it up. And she saw that on social media and connected with me through social media. And so our circles then coincided and we're like best friends. We just like went on a trip together. <laughs> Long story short, but I'll tell you the story because it's kind of interesting. Is like Tom Rowe, my husband, I met him kind of in person, but we really courted each other through Twitter. Mm. And so I think that that was the most exciting part was really like connecting with people that I wouldn't have otherwise connected with. I, you know, I didn't know that part of the story of your relationship. I knew that he also had a presence on social media that people would talk about, but I didn't realize that's how you two got connected. Well, funny story. So we were on both personally and professionally, and he worked for Visit Baltimore at the time. I worked for Port Discovery at the time. He would like tweet at Port Discovery and Port Discovery would tweet back. Nerds. And it was like, ooh, like... Visit Baltimore is tweeting a lot with Port Discovery recently. What's going on? <laughs> and like someone said that to us because, you know, it was 40 people who were talking. And so those other, you know, 38 people recognized what was happening and like kind of called us out on it, which was really funny. <laughs> it's funny because now um, Somerville, a good friend of ours who worked at Visit Baltimore as well, she married us. And basically our whole wedding, our vows and and all these different things were like social media based because that's how she kind of got us together as well. It was like Kate Fair is marrying the front row. It wasn't like Kate's marrying Tom. It was like a really funny, like, this is really ingrained in our lives, isn't it? That's actually a perfect transition because I want to talk about how it becomes 
you. Mm-hmm. Like it takes over mm-hmm. your life. Oh, yeah. Like you, you're no longer Kate Rowe. You are mm-hmm. Kate Kate Bear. And that's like, I mean, I still hear people reference you as that. Now I know times are different, oh, but yeah. I, but people will still say, oh yeah, Kate Kate Bear. And I'm like, or Kate, mm-hmm. but yes, I know. Or Kate, <laughs> but so like, at, what, at what point for you, did you feel like it kind of uh, something, something changed and it kind of took over? Um, when I went to an event and someone couldn't find my name on the list uh, as Kate Hendrickson, my maiden name, and I said, well, it's Kate Kate Bear. And they were like, oh, we have Kate Bear here. And they said, that's not, that's not my real, that's not my name. Uh, they had like Bear as my last yeah. name. And so that kind of turned a little corner for me um, where it was like, oh, this is just who people refer to me as now which I'm actually fine with. I like that you've just become comfortable with it. You're like, eh, F it. (laughs) Why not? I mean, that's not a bad name. At some point, it kind of, yeah, becomes you. I like, I I think I referenced Tone It Up already. And so when I was doing that fitness um, thing, I was kind of early on within fitness on social media. Mm -hmm. It was at this point where people weren't used to seeing it. Yeah, And so I had a close friend, actually a, f- a friend of yours as well, Vince, say something to me about it and say, like, why are you posting this? This is so like weird, not in like a mean way, but kind sure. of just like, why are you posting these fitness things that you're doing? And then that was kind of a moment for me where I had to decide if I wanted to separate KK Bear from Kate. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of people do that where they have two separate accounts where they have things that are really specific to fitness, you know, fashion, food, whatever it is, that is kind of your like big thing. And then your personal where you share your family and your friends and things. And at that moment, I was like, if you don't want to see all of what I'm doing, then like, don't follow me. (laughs) Like, I don't care. Um, this is who I am. This is a piece of what I'm doing. And so it's going to be here. It's not a separate thing. It's just going to be all one Kate, Kate, Kate Bear mix. Two things on that. One, I always love when people complain about things that are on, you know, mine or yours or whoever's social media. We're like, how, how dare you post that political yeah. post or whatever? It's like, well, you followed me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, yeah, exactly. I didn't come out there and like go on your phone and click follow. No, 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 no. You made that decision. So you can mm-hmm. see yourself out if you don't like mm-hmm. to see that stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, and the funny thing is that Vince probably two, three months later reached out to ask me about fitness programming. Oh, so it was like, you know, I was consistent. I did it. I got certified in a bunch of things to teach. And he was like, Hey, I'm looking for a program because like he knew that I was doing it because I kept posting about it. Yeah. So it actually worked yeah. out to benefit him in the end. I also think it's interesting. Like you, you reference how people have different accounts and I read about this. It was a while back, but I read about this, like how younger people, I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40 next year, but like people that are maybe in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties would have Uh multiple accounts for everything. Like that's what they would do that. I mean, I'm like, I can barely operate one account plus the account that I do for the podcast, which I hardly ever look at because I just can't, my brain can't comprehend using that, but they have like, this is my, uh, this is my, my nice pictures of myself account. This is my stuff. I want to buy account. This is my sports account. This is like, Oh my God, why do you have so many? I mean, I think you have one for your dogs as well. I have one for my dogs that I like, don't, don't even remember the password to. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, I can barely do it. Yeah. I agree. We, I still like tag the dogs and things and I'm like, I couldn't yeah, even I tell you last time we actually posted something. <laughs> I know it's like really funny. So what do you do? Because also with you, it continued to be a part of your job. Social media was a, a constant part of your job as well. It wasn't just something you were doing for fun. It was something that you were doing for work as well. So even when you start to realize like, wow, this this has kind of taken on a different life of its own. It's not like you can just shut it off because you still have to be on it all day for work. So how, how did you navigate that? Not always well. <laughs> um, it was really... How do I say it? So I worked at Port Discovery for five years, six, five or six years. I worked at an agency called Planet for a short time where I did social media for them. And then I worked at the aquarium for five plus years. And then I ran my own social media business with a friend for three years. And so all of that time you're on, I mean, 24 seven social media does not turn off PR doesn't either, but like social media is constant. 
and so there's a really difficult line to draw and I often just didn't draw it really I mean you think about it kind of in the same way that we're doing right now where people are working from home and finding that they have to create boundaries within their own space because otherwise you're always at work and you're always at home and so like where's the line it was kind of the same way where you're always at work and so that was a really difficult thing for me to do all of those years and so I think that the energy of youth (laughs) really pulled me through a lot of years (laughs) um and then Uh, kind of the energy of moving forward and seeing success with different things. um, The aquarium, for example, the National Aquarium, we we started their social media team, um, or I started their social media team with one person uh, that I got to hire. And by the time that I left, I had a team of four and a pretty significant budget Mm. um, from a nonprofit because they realized that it mattered people were paying attention, people were looking at animal updates that we were giving health updates from our husbandry folks. I mean, like, email was a big thing. Social media was the next biggest thing for us, um, talking to audiences. And so that really pulled me through a lot of things. But I will say the line was difficult and often not drawn to the point where my husband, Tom, would really call me out on things that I would find that were quote content and he like we're just like going to dinner can you just like not do content right now and it's like but this like there's a jellyfish in the harbor and I need to take a picture of it and it's just like we have to talk about it and blah 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 and it, it is this kind of push to always be on and so you kind of wake up in this place where you're stressed about what you missed Mm -hmm. um specifically with a public facing organization at work um it's difficult to go to sleep and then wake up and have a negative review or somebody came in and they had a question and you didn't respond to it right away i mean it really is pretty stressful to be i mean shout out to all the social media managers out there because you are doing the lord's work (laughs) there you are stressed for so many reasons and probably not paid enough and probably don't take enough breaks and so it's it's really taxing on your mind and your body actually kind of related but sort of unrelated one of the things that was really big in my office for a while was clicks on our station website they could monetize based on how many clicks so we had goals and all this stuff so i i really took it under my wing to try to to win that competition so to speak like i want to have the most clicks of anybody in my office and on my radio station. And I would like, and we used to use like Google links, you like G O O dot G L or whatever. And so you could track how many clicks it got. And I would sit there. Like I would, I would know when my posts were going live and I would just Mm -hmm. sit there and refresh. Like I'd be at a bar with friends, refreshing, refreshing. First thing I would do in the morning when I wake up, refresh, like what, what, how do we do? Oh my God, I can't believe that only got a thousand clicks. It should have gotten 4,000 clicks. It's ridiculous. And it really kind of tied into that same thing. Like it dominates your life. Like when you're that connected to something all the time and it's really what you think is uh you feel like you're revolving around it like in everything that you do well and to your point it also allocates so much worth Mm. to something that isn't i mean it's it's not that it doesn't matter it's just it matters in a different way and so it's this you get hooked on i mean i think that i read an article um, or I read an article and I think what the guy who created the like button on Facebook was like, I am so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like that was not my intention. I hate where it's gotten to. Um, this was like, not what I wanted it to be. Um, because it is, you get hooked on this number or this, you know, comments or whatever it is, this interaction that it in real quote unquote, real life, it just like measures in such a different way. You overinflate its worth and it's really difficult to deal with. When you left the aquarium and you started working with your friend doing your own PR thing, you I know you were operating social media accounts for uh, different clients that you had. And, and I feel like in just in knowing you, I feel like that's when your shift started to happen where you were kind of like, I don't know if I can keep doing this or at least 
not at this level that I'm doing it? Well, the hard part is that I'm good at it. I know. I remember you say that to me and I was like that arrogant. They're like, but she's right. (laughs) I mean, like, I don't mean to be arrogant. I'm just being factual. Like I know how to do the strategy. I've been in, in it since the beginning personally and professionally. I mean, not now, don't get me wrong, but like at that moment I was good at it and it was hard to not monetize what you're good at. You know what I mean? And I had just gone through, um, some rough cancer, uh, surgery stuff and kind of had this light shine in my eyes, like, all right, you need to change what you're doing. And so shifted to a degree, but really kind of kept doing a lot of the same things in a different way. And it was like, I wanted to do strategy and I wanted to build on what small business has, because that's a really big passion of mine is small business and help these people get more customers. I mean, Baltimore has gone through some tough times. We already have a chip on our shoulder. And so these small businesses that went through um, the unrest and situations where people aren't supporting their businesses, like they are in danger of closing. And so at that time, it was like, okay, what can we do? We can't pay for media. We can't pay for, um, you know, billboards and traditional media pieces. What can we do? You can help us with social media. And I could. Yeah. And so it was kind of like both the, the arrogance, we'll say, <laughs> the arrogance <laughs> of knowing that I was good at it and the, you know, um, not guilt, but the obligation of feeling like if I can help, I should. Like that combo just kept pushing me on social media. And so we did. We, we helped a lot of small businesses. We got people to events. We got people into restaurants. And so, you know, over those three years, it really, I think, helped some people. But during that time, it got to a point where I just, when you're managing multiple accounts, uh, like we were just saying, yeah, it's exhausting. And even when you believe in the business and believe in the small business is just like, you know, one owner and a couple waiters, like you believe in those people, you have all these pictures of bread and soup and pasta and things. And it just kind of gets like, I don't know, monotonous Mm. and you just, you lose passion for it sometimes. And so I went through a couple of those dips where I lost. And then I got really excited again about like a different client or something. And then I lost it again. And then I got really excited. And then it just kind of like kept getting lower and lower and lower and just my excitement around it and my youthful energy (laughs) were both fading at the same time. I mean, you know, I got cancer again. Mm and had to get surgery again and it was successful surgery but a little bit more difficult um of one recovery emotionally and physically I'm still kind of coming back from it and you know you get knocked on the head once and you change if you want you get knocked on the head twice and if you don't change like you're kind of an idiot in my opinion and so I got knocked on the head twice and you know I I had to change something and I after this surgery both physically, but also kind of mentally just wasn't invested in this kind of strategic Mm. social media anymore. And so it, I I kind of quit, I quit my business kind of quickly. Um, And my partner was super understanding and she continues to do things herself, but it just wasn't in my wheelhouse anymore. And I'm sure I can still help people, but like, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know how to do Instagram reels. Like once (laughs) you stop learning, once you stop investing time in it, it like goes on without you. It moves fast. People don't know that people don't know the exhaustion though, too. Like, I don't think people understand the mental aspect of like, people think you open up Instagram because you're bored and you're killing time, but, but they're really, it does take a toll on your brain. I mean, there's so when your brain has to shift from one thing to another, even, um, one that I was talking to to somebody a little while ago too, it was talking about working from home where like, say you're married, like when you're talking to your spouse, your brain is on, is in spouse world, you know? But if you shift to go check an email, now your brain just quickly switched from spouse world to work world. And that Mm -hmm. is actually tiring for your brain like that. That actually takes a toll. So when you're flipping through Instagram or Twitter, you're constantly using your brain, even if you think you're doing it because you're bored. When you're done, you're actually tired. And it's and it's weird. Like you wouldn't think that, but it's so true. 
true. No, it's completely true. And I mean, think about it if you are doing it personally. Think about it if you're doing it professionally. But think about it when you're doing both. I mean, and we had at some point um, with my business, I think six clients going at the same time on social media. And so my brain not only was looking, scrolling for myself, but scrolling for, oh, you know what? That would be a really good partner for us. Let me just like mentally store that away. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, you know what? This is really fun. This is an influencer we should invite to that dinner. Okay, scroll, scroll, scroll. And it's like just the 30, you know, brains that you have are all going at once. And it is so exhausting. And you close and you're like, what was I doing? What was I like? Where am I? What day is it? And you know that feeling when you're just kind of like come out of the zone when you really have just been looking at your phone. It's it's crazy. So in your personal life now, we've gotten work out of the way here and we, we've talked about sure. the shift you made in work. But you've also you've changed the way that you post in your personal account, in your personal life as well. And, and I kind of want you to talk about why you decided to to shift that way. Well, um, back in the day, uh, you know, even a couple years ago, most of my posts were strategic. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it, but like when you know how the sausage is made, you can't go back. And even now I like can't go back. But like a few years ago, I have found myself multiple times having a beautiful experience, whatever it is, say, you know, we're at a winery or whatever, take a picture at the winery, want to post it or write out the caption, rethink it, write it again, rethink it, write it again, put in the right hashtags, research the hashtags, pick other hashtags, and then look at the time and say, oh, you know what? I missed my window. I'm oh. going to post it in a few hours. And it's like, what? Why? Who? Who? Why does that matter? But like, you know, because you know when it's best to post and you know the hashtags are important and you know the comment needs to be short but informative and this and it needs to start with the right words because that's what gets people attention, people's attention. And, you know, you need to look at how your top nine looks because if someone looks at your profile, the colors needs to be correct, kind of like a magazine, like the things that I knew for business. I knew personally. And so it was really difficult, I think, up to a couple years ago for me to post personally. And that's kind of where my sphere was. Like I kind of had my own personal branding that I tried to stick with. And within the past year, year or two, I've tried to hard transition away from that where like, even if I know it's not the right time, like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I, I try not to care. It doesn't matter to me that that's a thing. Numbers aren't what's important to me. What's important to me is sharing how I feel and what's going on, whether it's a business that I want to support or if it's um, furthering the messages that I want to support about voting or candidates or, you know, Black Lives Matter, or if it's my own personal journey, uh, which, you know, Jamie and you talked about it a little bit, but like, People don't talk about ovarian cancer. People don't talk about when they're having a horrible day or a horrible time for the most part. It's like you talk about it, then you add the ha-ha. Like, right. oh, I'm like, I'm, I hate it. I'm so depressed. Ha-ha. And like that erases all the sincerity out of it. And so I think that it's become really important to me to share the experiences that I'm going through because of the people who've connected with me and found it, um, that it resonated with them, that it was important to them. It's not my story to tell, so I'm not going to tell it, but there is, some, my huh? wife went through something similar to what you uh, dealt with, with your cancer scares. And it mm -hmm. was interesting because she, she kind of felt like this moment of, I want to share this because I want someone to see it, to know that it's common and it could be something that could happen to you and to make sure you're getting your regular checkups and all this stuff. But it happened after your situation and she remembered seeing something on your social media that like made her be like, yeah, but I remember how people reacted to, to Kate's and mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know if that, I don't know if I want to do that. And I was like, gosh, it's such a weird, it's a weird life that we live. Where we're comparing, talking about telling our story yeah. against somebody else telling that story and what the reaction was like to that. You know, and it's, oh, yeah. it's such a hard thing. And something I talk to people a lot about um, is 
how they handle, like I talked to an artist, uh, Lindsay L, a country artist, and I, I, one of the things I talked to her about was like, how do you handle, because I know you get weird crap. Like, I know you get crazy yeah. DMs. I know people complain about stuff on your social. Like, how do you deal with that? And it, and it really is weird that that's like a whole other aspect of it. It's not just about you finding the right time to make your post or you're being stressed out about how did I, is the comment right? Do I have the right hashtags? It's also about what's the reaction going to be? And how do I mentally handle that? Oh, yeah. Well, and even if it's a good reaction, it's exhausting to react. And so I have found now that my limit on social media is typically max 30 minutes. Yeah. Or I'm just like, I'm out. And so specifically when I'm posting something, I... I'm a writer. I really like to write. I'm a word nerd. And so the words really matter to me. And so even if it's not for, um, you know, strategy and reaction, it's like, okay, do I feel calm or do I feel peaceful? Like, I really want the word to come up. Like for me, just for me, not for you. Like I want it to be correct. And so I put in the time to write these kind of, now they've become pretty long captions of things. And then I post it, you know, I, pick a photo, post it. And then I'm like off for like two days. <laughs> and then I just like can't look. And so n- not because I'm afraid of what's going to, people are going to post, but I have come to see that when people see generic posts, they, you know, like, or whatever it is, but when they really truly read a post and it resonates with them and they want to respond to it, they respond to it wholeheartedly. Mm in this way that I want to focus my attention and presence and mind on responding to them again. And so like, if I share my cancer story and how I'm going through different things with fertility issues, the truly just like sad, I'm just like sad sometimes Mm. at struggles and share. And then people respond like, I'm going through that too. And I'm having this ish and like, this is what's going on. Like, I want to be mentally there. I don't want to be scrolling like, like, Oh, thanks so much for responding. It's like, I want to talk to this person. Like I'm talking to them in person. And so that requires even, like I said, even when it's a positive response, it requires so much out of you to really focus and give your attention to it. And so it's, just the summary of social media is it makes you exhausted (laughs) all the time. (laughs) It makes you tired. Um, Yeah. And it's mentally and, you know, emotionally in this way where like, you know, we're going through fertility issues because now I have zero ovaries. And so it's like, we have embryos, but we could do something. And there are so many women going through this. And so it's, you know, mentally you have to be there and again focus and then emotionally it's just like so sad (laughs) like taxing and and so much to communicate with these people that are going through this horrible thing like I hate it every day Mm. every damn day I'm like I hate that I'm going through this and it's not fair and it's such a burden and then to think that other people are like I wouldn't wish this upon anyone and so it's just it's both a beautiful place that you can connect with people that are going through good, bad, ugly, but it's also just like really heavy sometimes. I do like how you've been able to find a way though to, to find a little bit of enjoyment from it and to find mm-hmm. a, to find a positive place to live with it as opposed to it dominating your yeah. life like yeah it's still there and you still have moments but but overall the way you're experiencing it now um, based on the changes that you've made is a much more positive experience than negative sure and I think like Jamie and I have talked about this a couple times where there's this and you mentioned it with your wife there's this hard difficult I should say line to draw when you're going through something where you want to keep it to yourself Mm -hmm. I mean it's something that you're going through and it's your experience in life and you want to just hold it between you and your husband or you and your partner and whatever it is but there's also like I said earlier I have a heavy (laughs) heart for 
helping others, which is like both good and bad. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that I have to kind of wrestle with where, okay, do I keep this moment to myself or do I share it because it might help somebody else? And so I think that they're on the pre in my, you know, kind of previous years, I probably would have shared a lot more. And now I kind of pick and choose because most of my experiences I want to be my own. Mm -hmm. And then the moments when I feel like I can, you know, bring out um, those feelings or, or really like talk about them in a way that will relate to others and maybe help somebody else, then I share those moments. I love that you think about that. And I love that you do keep stuff for your own because I think that, I think it is important to have stuff just for yourself. I really do. Oh, Especially in social media days. Yeah. I mean, like social media is like share. I mean, that was one thing about Twitter. Like you said, your friend going to the yoga place, like that's what it used to be. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm going here. Okay. Now I'm going here. Okay. This is what I'm eating today for lunch. This is what I'm eating for a snack. This is what I'm doing. And so even though it's kind of, gotten a little bit away from that it's still so much sharing every minute and everything and so like you said I do agree I think it's really important to keep some time and some moments to yourself uh one thing over the last year that I'm also happy about for you is I feel like you've found through the struggles you've also found a new passion in your life and that is something that I'm glad you're sharing and ironically you created a new social media account yeah. for this but it's okay because I think it's a, you still if you're going to be talking about it you still need to have a place it needs a place to live sure. right um, but you've gotten really into pottery and I know we're shifting gears here but I do want to be able to shamelessly plug the work that you're doing because uh, actually oh, okay. my wife and I we ate at a restaurant last weekend and they had all all their plates and everything were all pottery. It was all designed from pottery. And we started thinking to ourselves, like, we need to have Kate basically redesign our entire, like, china cabinet, if you will, or whatever you want to go. <laughs> well, as soon as I do my own, I'll do yours. Yeah. <laughs> but talk, like, That's, like, on my list for the end of the year, but you're, you're next up. Well, but talk about that a little bit because it is kind of like a random thing. And even when you started talking to me about it, I was like, how do you find out that that's something that you, that you love to do? So here's the thing. I've done it for a long time. Oh, okay. So, so I think that that's the misnomer is that I just started this at the end of last year and now I like am really good at it. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> um, I actually did pottery, uh, shout out to Perkins in Morristown, New Jersey, uh, after school and over summers when I was like, I don't know, middle school. Uh, how old are you in middle school? 10, 11, something like that. And so I did pottery at Perkins with their programming all from middle school through high school. And then I actually did it in college as well. And so it's not a new passion. It's one that was put on the shelf for quote unquote, the real world and real life. And now and you found so, your way back in. And I found my way back in after my second surgery, I was really, um, you know, anyone who's gone through a major surgery, you kind of get this like brain fog a little bit. Um, where you can do things like you can drive, you can read, but like, it's just like the, the next level of pulling things together just isn't there. And so I was trying to find something that I could do that physically as well, that um, would help me kind of focus my brain on something. And so I started painting and that really wasn't my deal. And I was like, what else can I do that just like will give me this feeling of focused energy? And so I went to the playground over in Ellicott City with a friend. They have these classes called Mud and Merlot. So you can like bring lot. It's like, there's no expectations. You can, you know, you get a pound and a half of clay and you bring your own wine and do whatever you want. And so it was I went to one class. I was like, oh, I think I remember how to do this. And then I went to a second class. I was like, oh, I remember how to do this. I like it. And then I went to a six-week course. And then during my six-week course, the owner of the playground was like, do you want to work here? <laughs> and I was like, okay, sure. And so I am now a pottery teacher. And I got a wheel for my row home in Baltimore City. And I produce mugs, vases, bowls, plates, um, all kinds of really fun stuff. And it is continuously awesome. I mean, like, like it's hard to be like joyful in this moment, right in time. Uh, and it really, whenever somebody asks me about it, I kind of like sit back in my mind and think about being at the wheel and making pottery. And it's just like bright light. 
it is so just great. I really love it. And I'm so excited that I am, you know, afforded the opportunity to do it. I'm really glad you rediscovered this passion. And I want you to tell the six listeners that listen to this podcast uh, where they can go uh, to find more information or maybe maybe see if they can see you at an event where they can purchase some of your pottery mm-hmm. or if they want to reach out to you for something. I'd love for you to shamelessly plug your business. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm going to shamelessly plug your podcast because you have more than six people who listen and it's a fantastic podcast. And I'm glad that you found this passion during COVID. Uh, yes. So I make pottery. My name is Kate Rowe. I, my business is Kate Rowe Creations. You can find me on Instagram and uh, Etsy. I make uh, custom pieces. I also make a bunch of pieces, mugs, vases, bowls, plates, etc. And I sell mostly on Etsy, but this is the show season, even during COVID. And so holiday shows are happening. Um, I'm mostly uh, working with Sukasa okay. uh, Furniture Store in Ellicott City, which is a friend. Um, and we're doing outdoor uh, distanced, everybody's masked, everybody's good, um, shows. We'll also be doing a holiday show on Small Business Saturday at, uh, with the Clayground crew. So it's not just me as Potter. There's like 12 Potters. Oh, cool. Will be there. It's very exciting. We're going to be at the Flower Barn in Ellicott City. And yeah, just like reach out to me if you have something that you want to make or something that broke that you really loved. I can't make it exactly, but I just have so much fun making things and I would love to make you something. Well, I can't wait to see the vases that we've ordered for our family members for the, this holiday season. And Kate, uh, thank you so much. Like I just, uh, I knew when I had this idea, I wanted to talk about social media and I was like, I, I need to talk to somebody normal that I know experience the ups, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, like all of it, like the entire gamut. And you were the first thing that popped into my head because I know how involved you've been um, through work and personal life. And I'm just so glad that you were able to do this and you agreed to do it and we could make this happen because I think this is such a great um, conversation to share with people. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you for thinking of me. Yes. We've been on the roller coaster together. (laughs) (laughs) I keep trying to get off. (laughs) I'm like, is this my stop? Can I, can I get off? Oh, we're going to do one more loop. Okay. Okay. Um, But yeah, I I appreciate it. I think it's an important topic because there's a lot of pressure that comes with social media, I think personally right now. And so Like anything, I think the more that we talk about it, the more that we communicate, the better we understand where we can be helpful. Thank you to Kate Rowe for joining me today. Her social media story is one that I think so many people can learn from. So I hope that you took something from it today. Special thank you also to all of you for listening. Can't tell you how much it means to me to think that you guys are taking some time out of your day to listen to this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're on right now so you'll be able to stay up to date on future episodes. Thank you again, and I'll talk to you guys next week.